All right, open your Bibles once again to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Starting here in chapter 1, verse 18, and going into chapter 3, which is actually a pretty large chunk of Scripture, Paul has dedicated to the discussion of the sinfulness of man, the hard-hearted, rebellious, and depraved heart that is displayed through the actions, through the lifestyles of mankind. Currently, in chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, we are in a section which has been dubbed the reprobate mind. The reprobate mind. Now, that is a, the word reprobate there is a word that's used in the KJV, but uh, it's also used, of course, in more modern translations as debased mind or the depraved mind. And knowing this, if you just simply sit down and read verses 18 through 32, it's no surprise at all that Paul began those, uh, with those words, starting in verse 18, the wrath of God. Once you just simply read through that text, you'll know why he begins with the words, the wrath of God. And therefore, as we continue, and I say continue to move slowly through this section, it becomes very apparent that no man is not inherently good. I hate when I hear that somewhere on TV or whatever. I don't know where they live, but man is not inherently good, but it's actually just the opposite. They live their lives in a constant state of rebellion against Almighty God. Okay, Listen, folks, once someone denies the actual truth of God, they deny the reality of his existence, all they have left is a myth. That's it. Which, as you know, will multiply and multiply into more and more falsehood. And ultimately, their entire minds, their entire lives are ingrained with what we would call fiction. And what they believe, what they hold on to, is a total lie. It's just, I don't know what else to say, it's just a total lie. And that affects, folks, every area of their lives. Did you know that? It does. What is true, what is holy, what is honorable, what is just, they stand opposed to at every turn. And as I have said throughout the years, what we believe affects the way we live. Understand that, folks. What we believe affects the way we live. Here in Romans chapter 1, we're told that it begins with the denial of God himself. And following that denial of of God himself is what I would call the downgrade. It only goes downhill from there, okay? And so because of this denial, verse 21 says that they would not glorify God, It says they would not give thanks to God. And then it says their thinking became futile. Remember the word futile means nothing. It means it's it's just zip. It's it's ridiculous. It's gibberish, nothing, garbage. Okay? It says their heads, their, their hearts were darkened. Do you see the direction that this is going? And then catch this. In verse 22, it says they claimed to be wise. They deny Almighty God, and then they fill that void with whatever they want to fill it with, and they call themselves an intellect. 
right? Look at today. You'll find somebody who is totally pagan, totally denial of God, pro-evolution, pro-choice, pro-whatever you want to throw out in this world, and that these people are propped up as PhDs and brilliant scholars. I'm going, really? Really? Because in the very same breath here in our text, Paul says, in reality, that denial of God made you a fool. A fool, he says. Not only, Paul says, are you not wise, but you are a fool. And remember, the Greek word there for fool is where we get our word moron. And that's a pretty rough word. We don't want to be called a fool. You don't want to be called a moron. That's a pretty low standard right there, okay? But he's saying that their beliefs are so moronic. Verse 23 said that they exchanged the glory of God, okay, which Paul says God revealed to them in creation, right? They exchanged that for man-made idols, exchanged the glory of God for something they can just go down to your workshop and create. That's pretty moronic, see? God said this. God said, look at my creation. He created the heavens and the earth. He said, look at my creation. He said, see my glory, as you look there at the first beginning of verses 18 through, through 20. And they said, nah, I really don't want any part of that. And so instead of their knowledge of God leading to the worship of God, it says they would rather have a God of their own creation. Many times that would be an idol, or many times that's just something in their own mind, as you've heard me say before. They create a God in their own mind because that God simply believes what they believe. It's just man-made. It's a myth, once again. And so at this point, it's as if God says, you know what? I've had enough. I've had enough. You see, verse 24 there, it begins with the word therefore, which basically means because of all this nonsense, because of everything that I've talked about in verses 18 through 23, your outright rebellion, God says, you know what? Do what you want. And he says it this way, verse 24. He says, God gave them over. That's the word basically saying, do what you want. God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts. Okay? So giving them over, it means that God pulled back his restraint. He took a hands-off approach. Okay? God abandoned the people, he said, to do whatever the shameful things that their hearts desired. So it's as if God says, look it, you want to deny me and then follow that up by going down this, this complete road to ruin? I'm going to let you do it, okay? And you will suffer the consequences of it. You are so desirous, he's saying, of, uh, to live in the most godless filth. That's what you actually desire. God says, you know what? Because of that, I'm going to let you do that. I'm going to give you what you asked for. That's why that's up there, if you've already read that. I'll tell you right now, folks, that uh, there's not a single thing in our culture that that has not affected. What is the one thing in verse 24 that man turns to when sin and depravity is allowed to run amok? Sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. 
Paul says God allowed them to degrade their bodies with sexual impurity. Impurity sense means uncleanness. Okay? Now, in the first century, when this, when this book was written, sadly no different than today, man jumped at the opportunity for sexual indulgence. All the things that we know of today happened then. Flings, one-night stands, prostitution, adultery, you name it, right? It went on. And then to make it worse, they also had fertility cults, okay? They had fertility cults with temple prostitutes. And sadly, they would, they would uh, have sex and have orgies under the auspices of the word worship. Talk about an abuse of a word, huh? Worship. We worship the God of fertility with all these others. See? Now, for us today, sadly, it's gotten worse and, at the same time, easier. Okay? Besides, the, the, the norm still goes on. People having sex with their girlfriends, their boyfriends, one-night stands, flings with your coworkers, prostitutes, you name it, same scenario. But now, we have porn at the click of a mouse. Click. Just like that. And it's there. People are paying for sexual telephone calls. Those things you have in front of you, those phones, those are, it's a handheld computer. They're using it for sexting. Kids. Young teenagers. How many movies are made now with nude scenes or sex scenes or adulterous scenes? It just, it just keeps going on. Folks, do you realize that pornography alone is a multi-billion dollar a year industry? You know that? I looked it up this week. Pornography, a multi-billion dollar per year industry. Man's lust for sexual pleasure just seems to be unending. But that's what people wanted, right? God says, fine. God gave them over. You're, you're going you're gonna to suffer for it, but that's where it is, Right? When God is out of the picture, man's thirst for the erotic only compounds. God's original intent for a sexual relationship in marriage, the marriage of one man and one woman, by the way, is almost archaic these days. Our world has now graduated from multiple sex partners to the outright sexual perverted. Almost every year, as you probably know already, the goalposts keep getting moved. See? And our society seems to be more and more accepting of sexual deviancy. But it's all right there, written 2,000 years ago, saying, this, this, this is what's going to happen? And here we are. Now, we're not going to get into that list of sexual deviancies, but we will talk about one of them today, and that's because that is part of the text that we're going through. We talk about everything. When, you know, when you go verse by verse through Scripture, you just hit what comes up. That's just how it works. As I mentioned last week, as Paul discusses the depravity of man, right, the reprobate mind, you can, you can separate this section of chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. You can separate it into three sections. As we did last week, verses 24 and 25, we talked about sexual immorality. 
Verses 26 and 27 is homosexuality. And then later in verses 28 through 32, it's really just a, a full-on discussion of the decline, of mankind's decline into moral and spiritual degeneracy. But today, we're going to be looking at verses 26 and 27. I hope you're there. And let me read that for you. He says, Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion or their error. So as you can see from these two verses, Paul is obviously still connected with the previous two verses, which spoke of, as I mentioned before, sexual impurity. The difference is, in these two verses, he actually goes a step into sexual impurity to that which is unnatural. Okay, And of course, we'll talk about that in just a minute. And so Paul begins here, in verse 26, he begins with the words, because of this, right? Some of you might have a translation that says, for this reason, right? But he says, because of this. So this is very similar to verse 24, where Paul began with the word, therefore. In other words, he's touching once again on what led him up to this point. When he says, for this reason, you're like, well, what is this reason? <laughs> well, you just, just all you got to do is back up. He's just going to, he's talking about everything he just touched on, Right? These people rejected God's revelation of himself and creation. They did not give him glory. They did not thank him for, for what he created. It says they exchanged God's glory for images or idols that they created. And then, of course, as we just discussed, they went into degrading their bodies into sexual impurity. And therefore, starting in verse 26, he says, because of this, do you see how it just kind of continues on? Okay. So he says, because of this, or for this reason, God gave them over to shameful lusts. He gave them over to shameful lusts. Now this is going to be the second time in this passage where he uses the words, God gave them over. Now to keep this short and simple, since I just discussed this a few minutes ago in, uh, from our review from last week, it's basically saying here that God abandoned them. He let them go unrestrained to the very sins they so much desired to commit. This is the direction they wanted to go. We really want to do this. And so God abandoned them. He says, fine. Go ahead and do that. He let them, he let them go to the very sins that they desired to commit. They want to live this life. It's like, leave us alone was their battle cry. Just let us do what we want to do. Okay. Okay. And so basically here you have God saying, if you want me out of the picture, then I'm out. Go for it. You're going to suffer the consequences of your actions. And so just like verse 24, where it says God gave them over to sexual impurity, here in verse 26 it says God gave them over to shameful 
lusts, okay? Some other translations might use the words degrading passions, dishonorable passions, vile passions. Those are all good translations, by the way, because in the literal, it means passions of disgrace. Passions of disgrace. This is what the direction they wanted to go. And the Lord said, fine, I'll let you go in that direction. Okay? Now, as we move forward here, remember, folks, contextually, we're talking about how man is, is sin-sick. He's morally rebellious. And how without God's restraining hand, it only gets worse. Okay? And we see that now in the second half of verse 26, where Paul is going to be a little more specific. He says, after he says, God gave them over to shameful lust, he says, even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. Now, based on how verse 27, which we'll get to in just a minute, but based on how verse 27 gives us a little bit more detail, we know what Paul means when he mentions the words natural versus unnatural, okay? Now, for me, personally, the first thing that popped into my head were politically liberal commentators, okay? Because I've seen many of them, and they make the statement, oh, who's to say what's normal? Who's to say what's natural? And of course, they'll usually say something like that to a conservative or maybe even a Christian conservative who, who stands on something different, okay? Now, generally, I would just yell at my TV, even though they don't hear me. I would just simply yell at my TV, okay? But here I can just say, I know what the answer is. When they say, who's to say what's natural? God. God says what's natural. God says what is unnatural, Folks, as I stated a couple weeks ago, I said that God created marriage, right? God also defined marriage. And here, God set the standard for what is natural. There are standards. There are absolutes. And guess what? God is the one who set them. And this is why people don't like it. They push God aside, or they just say, I don't want to believe in God. That's how this whole passage started in the first place. Okay? And because this entire text is talking about uh, sinful acts or just sinning, right? Paul just used the words what? What did the words he use? Shameful lusts, right? He's what shame. Now he, he tells what that is. What are those shameful lusts? Well, he just follows it up, and he says the women went from an... Uh, from what is natural to what is unnatural. Now, to keep things simple, the word natural in the Greek just means agreeable with nature. Okay? What is natural means agreeable with nature. How you were made, how you and I were created. Okay? He says here, they laid that aside. He says they exchanged it for what is unnatural. Natural, which means simply what is contrary to nature. Okay? What is contrary to nature? One commentary simply says it is the upsetting of the normal course of nature in sexual relations. It's upsetting in the normal course of nature in sexual 
relations. To add to that, okay, and now to help us define that a little bit more, now we'll read verse 27. He says, In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women, and they were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men, and they received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. So as you can see here, this this verse shines a little bit of a light on those words, right? Natural and unnatural. We know how they're defined, but now he kind of tells us, doesn't he? So he begins this verse by saying, in the same way. In other words, he's saying here, this verse is dealing with the exact same thing verse 26 was dealing with, right? He's saying in the same way. The only difference is this is about women and this is about men, but it's the same subject matter, which is unnatural versus natural. So in the same way, he says. So, so like the women in verse 26, he says the men abandoned natural relations with who? Who, who did it say? Women. Just, just wanted to throw that out to you so you kind of woke you up a little bit, number one. Number two, he, said, he says men abandon natural relations with women. Folks, we now know what it says right there. It's very plain, isn't it? Natural relations is a man with a woman, or flip it around, a woman with a man. God says right here that is what natural is. When God created humanity, he created them male and female, okay? And when you look at the anatomy of both, you can kind of see why God's design went that way, right? You don't have to shake your head on that one, but we'll just, <laughs> we'll get it. We understand. It's not too difficult to, dis- uh, to see God's design for a heterosexual relationship, Okay? In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, he says, For this reason, he says, A man will leave his father and his mother and be united to who? His wife. Did you see that? A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. So you notice there's a man and a woman. There's a husband and there's a wife. Did you catch that? So now that we have defined, folks, what is natural and what is unnatural, right? How God created us, what's the problem? Well, the problem, he says, is that instead of the men, we'll just use the men, it goes both ways, instead of the men pursuing the women, he says the men were inflamed with lust for one another. So the women... And he says, now the men pursued what is unnatural. What is unnatural? And folks, that in itself doesn't complete the definition. Look what Paul says next in verse 27. He says, men committed indecent acts with one another. It's not only unnatural, he says the acts are indecent. Some of the other translations might say shameful acts. Okay? Matter of fact, just as long as you're there, look at the words that God uses here. 
Okay, now remember, this isn't me speaking. This is God. This is just simply Scripture. The last couple of verses, look what the, the words that God uses to describe this. He calls it impurity, degrading, shameful lusts, unnatural, right here, indecent acts, and then perversion or error. Folks, those are the words that I just read from the Bible that God uses to describe the acts of sin that we're talking about here. Those aren't my words. Those are God's words. You can even go back in the Old Testament to Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, because it also frowns on this act. Same God, right? God is immutable, meaning God doesn't change. His, his morals, his nature, his essence doesn't change. So it's the same thing from back in the Old Testament. He says, as a command... This is a command. Do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman. Now, for those who want to play games with the text, the word lie is the same word used where um, Lot had a sexual relationship with both of his daughters. You remember that scenario? Same word, so we know what it means, right? Don't be having sex with a man as you would have a woman. He says... It is detestable. Now, every other, transla- every other major translation uses the word abomination. It is an abomination. Those are harsh words. They're not mine. They're God's. Now, the reason, folks, for these descriptive words is because it is unnatural. It's just, it's just unnatural, Right? which means, right, contrary to nature. Listen, as much as uh, sexual activity for the heterosexual outside of marriage, that too is sin. That too is unlawful. That too is a transgression that flies in the face of God. But that's also natural. Still sin, don't get me wrong. But at least that is natural. Here, the unnatural just takes it to another level. You can do natural things the way God created us and still be living in sin, right? You're not married, one man, one woman. You're still living in sin and sexual immorality. But it's a little different now. You're going to what's unnatural. See, R.C.H. Linsky He said it this way. He says, the moment God is taken out of control of man's life, right? That's what they wanted, right? God said, okay. The moment God is taken out of control of man's life, the stench of sexual aberration is bound to arise. Well, we know that's true, don't we? Listen, folks, homosexuality is not something new, okay? Of course, we know that because I just read it from a letter that's written in the middle of the first century. Of course, I also quoted it from Leviticus thousands of years ago. Homosexuality is not something new. The problem, at least, if you will, today, 2,000 years later when this was written, is that it's getting worse, right? And we, we should be able to see that because of what happened here in the text. People said, this is what I want. God says, okay, you're going to suffer the consequences of it. We are still in the midst today of suffering the consequences of that. And we are dealing with that now for the next generation. Right? 
It's getting worse. As I, me- as I mentioned earlier, the text seems to be progressing as it pertains to sin. Okay? That's why I called it the downgrade, right? <laughs> it's going downhill from here. Looking back just at my lifetime, and I'm 56 years old, people are not just coming out of the closet anymore. When I was a kid, that's the term it was used, come out of the closet. People were, were living homosexual lives, just didn't want to tell anybody. People aren't just coming out of the closet anymore now. You know that. People are flaunting. They're flaunting their homosexuality. Okay? We have organizations, uh, many of you probably know, we have organizations today that actually will encourage and promote the gay lifestyle. It's, it's not an issue of just let me do what I want to do and let you do what you want to do. Oh, no, they want you. They want to suck you in to that very lifestyle. You have the human rights campaign. That's human rights. Well, I support human rights. Well, always look at what they support. You have GLAD, right? The Gay and Lesbian Defense Against Defamation, Alliance Against Defamation. As you know, today, this very day, we have specific days that are set apart for gay pride parades. We have gay days at amusement parks where you take your children, usually. Now we have what's called Pride Month. We just pass that up. Every single channel on TV promoted that, even the conservative ones. People, listen folks, we're being encouraged to take pride in a lifestyle that God says is an abomination. You wonder where, we're, where this is going. You, you want me to be proud? Are you serious? Shouldn't be proud of any sin, no matter what it is. But that's where we're being encouraged to go. Society, and definitely the media, as you probably know, are trying to make this normative. When you live in a sinful world, they want to make sin normative. It's a good thing for them because it takes the pressure off them. We're just doing like everybody else is, right? Congress, as well as the Supreme Court, said, sure, have gay marriage, fine. You can't seem to watch a television show. You can't watch a commercial sometimes without a homosexual in it now. That's how much they try to push this and push it and push it. And to be fair, I want to be fair, sin in every area is being pushed in society. Not just one, but in all areas, but it includes homosexuality. And if you don't believe me, I challenge you to do this. Spend one week, one week, And whatever you happen to watch on TV, make sure it's from the 60s. Spend one week watching shows just from the 60s. The following week, watch the shows from today. The difference could not be more drastic in what you're going to see. It's not even close. Yeah, how many Christians just thrive on watching many of these shows today? And you wonder why our society is going this direction. Now, as I mentioned, how sin is going down this aggressive path, you would think that as far as history is concerned, that people would learn, but they haven't. They blow it off, what's happened in the past. They act like, well, it didn't really happen. Or they'll just give you some ridiculous interpretation so they can justify their actions. 
Everybody is justifying their sins. I was born that way, right? That's the biggest one. I was born, which, no, you weren't. You were born in sin. I don't care that you're a cheater, you're a liar, you're an adulterer, you're a thief, you're, a, you're gay, whatever it is. It's because you're born in sin, and that's the direction you chose to go. But there's always an excuse. But going back to the subject here of homosexuality, look what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I thought about it, and there's obviously no way I have time to go through that today. I mean, this is where the, this is where the word sodomy came from, right? We all hopefully understand that, right? Now, being that I do not have time to get into this text, but go back when you get a chance, okay? And just read the story. Read the story. Look at what God's thoughts are. Look at what God is saying in this text. And then look at how he punished them. You'll see that in chapter 19, by the way, in Genesis. He rained down burning sulfur on the entire place. Rained down burning sulfur. So listen, we know what God did there. We know from Leviticus that he calls it an abomination. We know from this very text that we're going through now that it is a sin. Remember all those words that I gave you? All the words that are in this text? describing what it is. We know what God says about it here. And now here, at the end of Romans, verse 27, at the end of this verse, verse 27, listen to what it says. They received in themselves. I want you to see that. Listen, they received in themselves the due penalty of their perversion. The NAS says they received in their own person their due penalty. I don't know if you catch that or not, because it's easy if you're just reading through it. Okay? In other words, the judgment is the self-destructiveness of their own sin. It's not an outside judgment that says, if you do this, if you live this kind of life, then, then I'm going to do this to you. No. Your own lifestyle. What you're doing to yourself is going to be your own judgment. Okay? Expositor's commentary says, sexual deviation contains in itself a recompense, a punishment for the abandonment of God and his ways. Albert Barnes says, the effect of such base and unnatural passions was to enfeeble the body, or if you will, weaken the body, to produce premature old age, disease, decay, and early death. And you're going, really? Once again, that's why I said, look at that verse. The consequences, the punishment, the judgment is in what happens in the very act. It's what happens to you. Okay? Now listen. I looked at a few stats this week, okay? On the website, it's a government website, hiv.gov, okay? It says in 2019, just to, I'm just going to prove this issue. That's why I'm doing this, okay? According to that website, in 2019, the largest percentages of HIV infections were attributed to male-to-male sexual contact, 81%. Okay. The transmission, folks, of HIV, which is the virus that causes AIDS, 81% of the men were involved in homosexual activity. Okay? 
Another website, it's a government website, it's called PubMed. I'm sure it's like public medical or something of that nature. But it deals with life science. And I couldn't find the most, the, the most up-to-date one. But um, from pre-1994, the average age for a homosexual was less than 50. When I was a kid, I think it was 44, if I remember correctly. Okay? I'm going back. I'm talking about what he says in the text. The judgment is in themselves. The American Journal for Public Health, it said this. It said in a survey of about 5,600 men in those who practiced homosexual activity, 13% of them died from HIV causes. Okay, more than, more than one out of every 10 died specifically because of the effect of their homosexual lifestyle. Listen, very same survey. Heterosexual men who died of HIV causes, 0.1%. Do you see that falling upon that lifestyle? Do you understand that? And then it said this, following in that same, same journal, in the United States, it says, this is a quote, in the United States, the HIV epidemic continues to be the major continuing factor for premature death, premature death rates for homosexual behavior. Yes, folks, because what the Bible says and because what we know to be true today, I do believe that is the judgment. The judgment is coming upon themselves by their own actions, by their own lifestyle. Okay? And today, literally, I mean today, I mean literally today, and we don't have nearly as much information, okay? We don't have all the years of statistics. But even today, monkeypox is going the same direction. From a website called theconversation.com, I found a behavioral epidemiologist. Epidemiologist is somebody who deals with diseases. Obviously, behavioral epidemiologist, somebody how you get those diseases through what you do, your behavior, right? And he said more than 90% of monkeypox cases, and this is very fresh in our news, right? More than 90% of monkeypox cases in non-epidemic, non-endemic countries, that's like us, have been transmitted through intimate sexual contact, and the vast majority are among gay men. We're going down that same road again as they continue the lifestyle. In closing, what's worse than the destruction of the physical body than to understand that where will you spend eternity? See, in Jude, Jude verse 7, you can call it Jude chapter 1 verse 7, but there's only one chapter. In Jude verse 7, he uses Sodom and Gomorrah as an example. So by the way, whenever somebody, I know this is bizarre, but there are people out there who want to say God did not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for homosexuality. (laughs) As bizarre as that is, this verse will tell you otherwise. He says, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. Listen, he says, they serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Wow. He's specifically talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and the understanding that God wiped them out because of their sexual perversion, their homosexual acts. And finally, Turn over real quick to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 
in um, verses 9 and 10, Paul says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? So he's very clear there. Paul calls wicked. Okay, it's not my word, it's his word. So Paul goes on. This is not going to be an exhaustive list, but Paul says here is what the wicked are. These wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. He said, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor the male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Folks, listen to me. Despite what the world tells you, what the world pushes on you, besides the names they want to call you because you actually stand for what is right and moral in the eyes of God, homosexuality is unnatural and it is a grievous sin. Punishment, as he says here, in this life, but also in the life to come. I read that in Jude and I read it here in 1 Corinthians Six, But here's the great news, folks, which I'm going to read now, is that like all sin, whether it be heterosexual or homosexual, it can be forgiven through Jesus Christ. And that's, that's the most important thing. Okay? As you know, as an expositional teacher, uh, I go book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. So what comes up is what comes up. So this isn't a sermon that I whipped up out of my mind to bash on homosexuals. It's just what God says about homosexuality, the act. But, but that, to a certain degree, to a certain degree, no different than the guy who's sleeping with his girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever you're doing, is very sinful, as he says here. But I want you to notice here, in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 11, he says, after we just got through giving that list of those who will not inherit the kingdom of God, he says, and that is what some of you once were. You used to be those things. You used to be a homosexual offender. You used to be a thief. You used to be an adulterer and so on and so forth. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. It's very important, folks, that we understand that. We live in a society today where homosexuality is pushed on us in every way possible. It's, they, they just want to make it, it's just, it's just an everyday, just like you slip on your shirt every day, uh, homosexuality is very normal, and they want to do that because that's what they want normal to be. But God says it's not, and so, of course, we stand with Almighty God. Now, we don't condemn them as sinners, in a sense, because we're sinners too, it's important we understand that. I'm not going to, you, you know how sometimes this is a problem, by the way. Christians will turn the channel of their favorite show because of two gay people. They will. But, but what about the two heterosexuals who are sleeping together in the same show? Anybody have a problem with that? Anybody see hypocrisy going on in that action? Yep, I see a couple of hands there. Are you one of them? I don't know. You have to ask that to yourself. Now, the, the, the frustration I realize is, is because uh, people are defensive about it because it's pushed on us every single day. It's almost shoved down our throats. And that's why there's such an upheaval on this, on this issue. But in the eyes of God, look at, you know, we seem to accept the, the man and the woman who are living together, who are sleeping together. But if you put the gays in there, we don't accept those. We shouldn't accept either one, see? 
In other words, don't say, well, that's true, Darren, so I'm going to accept the homosexual. No, you don't want to do either. You don't want to be a part of watching things that, that are wrong. You really shouldn't be feeding your mind with, okay? My wife and I have started to watch many, many shows, got a few shows in, and all of a sudden, ah, here we go, and now they start to shove things down your throat. And, of course, we end up turning it off and never watching it again. But that's what people do. But I do want you to understand whatever the sin is, whatever the issue is, folks, every one of us here today deserves hell. You say, well, I've only lied once. Great, you deserve hell. Good for you. I, I mean, so do I. And so we want to don't put homosexuality into some the worst of the worst. It is um, unnatural. That, that's why for many of us, it's, it's, it, call it what you will, it's gross, it's whatever, because it's unnatural. Some people live, who are living in sin think otherwise. But it doesn't change the fact of how we should think. These are people who need Jesus Christ. Okay? I don't care if it's your next door neighbor who's been married 17 times or if it's uh, the 21 year old who's shacking up with her boyfriend. Um, these are people who need Jesus Christ. But I just want us to understand that this is what Scripture says because the world is going to tell you otherwise. So be prepared. Understand as you're teaching your children, because <laughs> young kids are getting dealt this stuff already. But we need to know the answer. And the answer is within Scripture. The answer isn't bashing people because you're a sinner bashing another sinner. The only difference is you're a forgiven, safe sinner. That's the goal you want for them. Okay? So always keep that in mind. I wanted you to understand what Scripture is. And we're going to go forward. We'll go right into verse 28 this, this next week. Okay? But please grasp that. If you have any questions, certainly come up and, and talk. But uh, some people get more pressured than others. But how to respond biblically and gracefully is what we do, right? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you um, that we can go through Scripture. Thank you, Lord, that, you know, for those of us who teach the Bible verse by verse, we don't pick and choose the subject matter we talk about. I know a lot of people do topical sermons, and I'm not a big fan of that because they miss the entire context of books of the Bible. And so, Lord, we, we talk about uh, regular heterosexual perversion promiscuousness, promiscuity. We also, as the text says, will deal with homosexuality. And we're going to get into the text uh, as we move forward in verses 28 through 32, Lord, how you deal with a lot of things, cheaters, liars, murderers. I mean, you name it. We're going to find a lot of people in there, including ourselves. Lord, help us to understand these texts, understand the heart, the sinfulness of man. But Lord, help us to understand because of that, the huge, huge mercy of God. The grace of God, the mercy of God. And Lord, help us to grasp these things. That way we will have an answer for the world around us who thinks that we are the bad people. It's amazing, Lord, that we are the evil people because we won't accept this lifestyle. But God, help us to take pride in a good way of the truth of Scripture and always hold on to that no matter what people say. If every person in your entire family believes otherwise, we stand proudly upon the Word of God. And Lord, help us to not be hypocrites, as I just mentioned, where sometimes we, we put certain sins at the top of a list when we really shouldn't have a list. Uh, I don't want to hang out with people who lie to me all the time. I don't want to hang out with people who cheat all the time, and so on and so on. Um, it goes in many directions. So give us the grace to understand that, to have a humble heart, and to be faithful to share the gospel with all men. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.